Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Thank you for sharing. It was wonderful. 
I cannot wait to watch it again. Did you watch it too? Over? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it? Yes. Ma, <laughs> we got Mental Health Monday Maud in the, yes, in the in studio the today. So we're excited about her. Yay. I'm telling you. Okay, Apostle Ashley. All right. This is your, it's the tradition in the office that we have baskets, birthday baskets. I like this one. This is, so yours, this is, mine. this is yours. I can keep it like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's not recyclable. It's not returning to sender. Thank you. And so this is your pamper basket. Pamper. Dr. Price likes to be pampered. I so do. we have some bath things, some soap things. Now, there are also fun things in here as well. And you have to know Dr. Price to know why these are great. So we have the journal that says Dream Without Limits. That be me. Because hey, this is where we are. I got limitless dream book. Yes, I do. And wait, I got some tabs. I got some dreams. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got some you vision. You can administrate dreams. Yeah. And prophecy. You know, I write my prophecies because you know the Bible you have today was some prophets' prophecy ancient years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from this basket from the staff. Okay. Then anybody who knows Dr. Price, you know, but first coffee. <laughs> yes. So this will be hey. by the coffee. Coffee by the coffee. She needs her coffee by the coffee pot. Okay. And then there's some other smell good things here. I like but, smell good. Yes. Okay. So. If you travel with Dr. Price, if you come to the house or the office, you understand that Dr. Price sets up a workstation any anywhere and I everywhere. I do. So we got you another lamp. Oh, I like that one. Because Yay. there are lamps everywhere. Clip to yes. But I like this one here. Can we clip it? I Would like you like that. a lamp on this set? Isn't that pretty? Yes. Rachel will uh, work it un- up. Unwrap it. I love lamps. And I like USB lamps, I like clip-on lamps, I like lamps, I do. It's just that they, that's how I make sure the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is So everywhere. we have some more stainless steel straws. Yes. Yeah, you know, I like stainless steel. She likes straws. And wait a minute, that one's taller. Is that taller? Yeah, it might be taller because it's for a big tumbler. Yeah. yeah. Um, good look at that. See, I like that. And they got a little clip on it. Oh, I'm they in the glory. And then there's some other spa things here. And then the <laughs> supersized, oversized Sharpie Marker pen. Uh, is this a really? Yes. For my board. For your board. No, because this is permanent. Oh, no, but not this, for my board. Right. This okay. is for all your labeling, for your bits, and your formulas, and your all that. Did you see, Norman? <laughs> we, got, we got labelers. And these these yes. work well on uh, the uh, surfaces that are oily because yeah, I need those. Yes. <laughs> these are oil-based products. So. Well, see, many of them don't know that I am... An inventor, etc. Well, they should if they follow you. That's for yeah. sure. If you follow me, women's health thing. Yeah, because I'm a. All came out because there. I am a. I need more creamer in there. Yeah, see, uh, look, I need a birthday it's, portion. It's so you not listen, as say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have. You know, I thank God. I know that usually we have Christian television, and it's not kind of nice, and 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 uh, you know, serene. Not me. Just want you to know. Not me. I said that's why I got noise. Cause see, I know saints get low. We say Jesus. Everybody say nap time. We say Jesus. People say sleep time. So I just decided that I'm going to be different. There you go. One day I'm gonna have a cow move for the sacred sacred cows. I'm gonna get some. Hey, somebody send me a cow move. Move when Elsie goes over. Woo! You know when I slap. Yes, I am. Bump, bump, bump. Yes, I got my slap claw. Noisy. You know why? Because we are used to getting very sleepy. 
when the word of God goes forward and when things get to going difficult, we go to sleep. So I have to wake you up. And so, and, and, and you know, I got a really kind of a boisterous personality. I said that I know you didn't know that. She said no. Yeah, I do. And, and, and that's that's a gift for my later years. Woo! Boisterous personality. I got the. Pop, pop. Put up there. So would you put a true picture up? 
And some of you all, you have pictures, and they're like black and white, graystone, sepia, whatnot, because that, that, that dates it anyway. Go and get yourself a, a, a wonderful, very sassy, classy picture taken and put it up there and say, this is me today. I made it. I won. Some of you all have overcome, up, 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 I want to say, oppression, odds, obstacles, and you made it. Hey, strut it. I was in a restaurant. No, I wasn't. I was in a store. I was in a store, and I'm the wrong person to go the wrong way with. And so I got two pet peeves about public establishments today. Number one, I don't need a 20-year-old telling me, hun and girly. I'm going to need you to know that you're the girly in the mix. So that's the first thing. Don't like it when servers do that. Do not do that. Don't, if you are a server, don't do that. If, you don't, if they don't want you to call them missing ma'am, just say here and give them their stuff. May I help you? So they come over, they're this big, they look like they're still in high school, and I don't know what, what waiter, server's book, attendance book that, you, that they have that tells them that you get to call somebody three times your age. Girly, hun, sugar. Hate it, hate it. I'm putting this out not just to my Facebookers, but I want it to go out in the atmosphere. Hate it. Hate it. My children don't call me honey and girly. No. And so... I, I just, I told, so, so when I'm in there, I, I, but I have grown. I've mellowed with age. So now I just say, don't call me girly and don't call me sugar because you don't know me like that. And so the, the comeback is that many older women want to be called girls. Well, then they're not older. They're just aged. Because when you mature, you realize that, hey, just somebody calling you outside of what you are and who you are is not a help. That doesn't take, you, you, nobody marks off years. You don't drop a wrinkle because somebody calls you girly. You don't stop aging because someone calls you girly. So I just dislike it. So I'm in the store. I do because I feel like I pay, I earned every stripe, baby. Every stripe. Yes, I did. I'm going to put me some wrinkle cream on, and you're going to call me by who I am. <laughs> yes, I am. So I go in. <clears throat> this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, young lady. Okay, I, I may look good, but FYA, for my age. Okay, for FMA, or for your age. So I look great, maybe, for my age. I don't look like I'm a teenager. And so... He comes in, and so I let it go. I'm trying to be nice. You know, Norma's with me, and she knows it's a 1098. <laughs> this girl is waiting because she knows, because he's following me around. Yeah, girlies. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I took it about as long as I could. And I said, you do realize I'm as old as you are, right? Because what if I walked in and said, hey, boy. I'm thinking if we walked in and said, boy, he'd have a problem. So I, I, I said, you know, I'm as old as you are. So he had the little store, um, one of his co-workers standing beside him, and she looked definitely older than me. She said, well, she did. You know, let's be God. You know, holiness is youthful. You know, I'm telling you, holiness is youthful. That's why when you start doing all those sin things, your old man, start, you start aging because that old man is old. See, sin is old. Devils are old. So they can't give you youth. You got to go to the youth giver. And, you know, Psalm 45 said that that's Jesus has to do with your youth. So I'm, I'm expecting him to youthify me some more. Yes, I do. So she says, well, I like it when they call me girly. 
I said, well, I don't because I paid a whole lot of dues to become a woman and to survive all of the things that, that the world wanted to take me out on. I earned everyone. I earned my W. I earned my O. I earned my M. I owe my I earn my A and my N. Woman. I am a woman. I'm not ashamed of it. I am powerful as a woman. Everybody knows that when you got a girl, you don't have strength. When you got a girl, you don't have maturity. When you got a girl, you don't have sense. Girly means I'm not senseless. And I'm not naive. I have lived and earned it. So she was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, don't do that. And whoever's telling these young people to do that, you need to stop it because you're setting them up to get corrected for nothing. Don't call me, girl. I am a woman. I love it. You know, we used to, in my generation, we had, uh, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. Now we got, I am woman, hear me cry. Hear me squeak. You, but I, I, do you know, I listen to my, my uh, recordings from when I first started ministry. I sound like Minnie Mouse. And that's say the Lord. Baby, I moved up. I'm like, and that says the Lord, and I fought for it, and I paid. So I don't have to look like a little girl to be a powerful woman. The fact that they keep trying to cause women to go back to childhood and look like a little girl, that's a problem for me. Are you kidding me? Because uh, my girls had curfews. My girls had limits. My girls had restraints. They had a whole lot of things that I don't have. I don't want to look like a little girl. I want to be a woman because I'm good at it. See, you only want to be something you're not because you're not good at what you are. I'm a sip to, hold on, wait a minute, I got the, come on, we got the, everybody got one of these, yes, yes, Lord. See, they want to reinvent you because you are never a let God invent you. And you never let God's invention mature. So now we want you to look like a woman. I mean, look like a girl. And we want you to look like a cat. And we want you to look like a dog. And we want you to look like an animal. And we want you to look like a man. And we want I'm telling you, womanhood, talk about identity lost. Everything but a woman. So I have a movement called I'm a woman, and it's a good thing. As a matter of fact, I'm a woman, and it's a God thing. I'm good at being who I am. I loved it. Instead of trying to perfect somebody else's look and something else's appearance, you need to perfect your own, invent yourself, and stop running around there looking like everybody. You look, at, uh, you look on the street, you can't find not one piece of continuity in womanhood. Forget the whole gender balance. So when they do that now, I say it nicely. I go in, they say, hey, hon, don't call me hon. Okay, ma'am, I'm okay with ma'am. I'm good at ma'am. You know what? Ma'am means I earn. You understand? So that's my, that's my identity. I am a, I'm good at this. So I'm going to look like that. I'm not going to wear girly clothes because I ain't trying to be less than a woman. I'm good at being a woman. Kids need fads because they're still trying to find themselves out, you know? So, you know, in kids, you have to just, you know, kind of find any demeanor. Fast, find any demeanor or fake all demeanors. Fast. I don't do that. Fake all demeanors. You have to fake all demeanors because fat means it's not real. Somebody has done it and you adopted somebody else's demeanor. 
So you don't know who you are. I don't need a fad. I wake up and I say, man, I look good in blue. Blue is what I am. I don't need a, a, a Facebook, a Google. I don't need a designer. I don't need a, a stylist. Blue is the color for today, and I'm looking good in blue. It's good. And we walk around and say that we are, are individuals. We, you're not individual. You're one of all of that. But someone told you to be that. That's why you walk around with all these women in yoga pants. Y'all look bad. And every time you turn around, you got some woman behind in your face. And it looks bad. But you know what? That's a fake demeanor. Because you, you, you chose somebody else's yoga. And got to know to call them yoga pants. Ain't nothing yoga about them. The yoga people don't do that. That's an American yoga pants. Because last I saw, they had little outfits, little, you know, full, they had little cotton, not spandex. And they look bad. I don't care. You, and, and, and nobody wants to say that, but that's a woman's identity lost. Uh, everything about me is caught in my crotch and my butt. That's me. Deal with that. Because that's what yoga pants said. I'm all about the crotch. I'm all about the butt. Body cons, all about the butt, all about the body. Fake demeanor. And so you all, you just find anybody's demeanor, anybody but yours, because you don't like you. Because after somebody has seen all of that, you already told them, don't look for anything more from me than this. No, no mystique, no intelligence, just this. And I look at it, and you go to the airport, and you realize, I sat there in the airport thinking, oh, my God. I said, talk about identity lost. Every woman looking the same from the waist down, talking about you an individual. Some of y'all had on boots. Some had on sneakers. Some had on flats. Some had on ballet shoes, but between the waistline and the ankle, everybody looked the same, calling themselves an individual. That's how much hatred of being you, you have. You hate being you. And, you know, I was there because I had the, we had the stretch pants and the saddle pants. The predecessor. Honey. And, yeah, and yeah, we did have spandex. Didn't we go to spandex? I said, are you kidding me? You have got to be kidding me. But I tell anybody, I tell you, I'll say to anybody today, no matter how you feel about it, identity lost. Okay? Identity lost. I'm trying to find you a picture. Let's see. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at a picture to show you about identity lost. And we have this picture um, someone sent to me, and it says um, how subtle acceptance, subtle acceptance and support of homosexuality agenda in ORU. Oh. See? ORU. Remember ORU, the only charismatic Christian university that we had, the only Holy Spirit university we had? Well, that one's gone. I guess that died with the oral. Now, and see, I like to talk about this because, see, Price University is coming up. If you want an agenda-free university education, you're going to have to bypass a lot of these that God has started years ago because these people have sold out, and they sold out for homosexuality. And let me tell you this so you understand. Getting education is the only one of the seven spheres, or you may know them as the seven mountains that all of the others must pass through. 
That is why protecting education is essential because education is the dissemination of ideologies, attitudes, and consciousness through the intelligence into all the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, remember? So education, nobody bypasses I don't care if you've never been to school. Somebody had to teach you something. Learning is the only way you become even um, effective in your world. A baby must learn how to hold the bottle, must learn how to go to the bathroom, must learn how to say mama, must learn how to walk. Learning is the key. Education is the number one. I've seen people make it eight, make it three, make it five. I'm trying to tell you that before you do anything else in life, you're on the path to learning. The pathway to life of any kind is learning. God brings Israel out of Egypt, and Moses must teach them. Jesus is manifested to Israel, and he starts with teaching. The second portion of the Great Commission, teaching them. Everything. Daniel, he said, those who, who teach will shine as the stars, and those who turn many to righteousness. You understand, teaching is the first mode of action, teaching that baby to find that breath to eat. Very simple. Getting that baby to cry from leaving the womb. So everything begins with education and teaching, which is why it is dismal that today's church has literally dismissed teaching and learning as priorities and really began to disparage education, which they only do at the church because you send your kids to school, tell your kids don't cut class. You send your kids to college to get an education so that they can succeed in life, but you don't want a ministerial education so that you can succeed in Christ. Because somewhere, somehow, we, somebody has told the church succeeding in Christ is insignificant, inconsequential, and unrewarding. Yet Hebrews 11 says that God will reward those who diligently seek him. It's because you don't recognize the rewards that you miss it. So in education, uh, the enemy is always going to hit education because God has to kickstart everything with education, and so does Satan because he has to de-educate you from Christ so that he can educate you in doom. So that's necessary. So we are in education. If you can't get around it. You keep saying all these schools. I don't understand why a lot of people, because everybody's born uneducated. You entered the world uneducated. You entered the world unenlightened. You entered the world uninformed. You, you, the reason we have long education systems is because you don't know. Now, some countries educate you manually, teach you how to, uh, how to plant, how to pick, how to manage crops, clean houses. Those are vocational education. But intellectual education is a different thing, and it should precede vocational in a very ideal world. So what does, what does the enemy do? He takes over the education system so that his body of knowledge, his, his people get to prepare the generation of the future. Why is it important for your 
five and six year old to be confused about their gender when they don't even know what a gender is or why a gender exists. I mean, come on, they ask you, what's, the, what's this? And so now you can say, when they point to the private parts, well, baby, that's your so-and-so. But you know, you can call it anything you want. It still only does one thing. You can call your private parts, your, your genitals, anything you want, but they still do one thing. And that one thing is not just the outside dressing of the skin. That is the eternal, internal functions of the entire biology, the anatomy. So it's not just anatomical. It's biological. It's organic. It's an organ. And yet parents are allowing their children to go through education that confuses them about something they never even learned yet. I don't need, that's my pediatrician's job. That's my babysitter's job, maybe. But it's certainly my parental job. My school has no business dealing with my kids' vagina and penis. Not as a child. Now, when we get old enough for sex education, that's fine. And then you have schools that are teaching your children to masturbate, and others are teaching them to have sex or same sex with someone else. Now, this is a kid. Whatever happened to reading, writing, and arithmetic? Now, they can't read any better. They read worse than they have. They write worse than they have, and they can't count. But, hey, they got that vagina penis thing down. As a kid, talk about stealing your child's youth, stealing their childhood. These people are robbing your children's innocence, and you parents are letting it be so. You're doing it. They're let, I'm going to tell you right now, I, about 20, 25 years ago, maybe not that long, God spoke to me, and he spoke to me about two things. One is rescuing and saving the children of America. He said, I'm not doing that because they don't care about the children I want to save. You want God to break into the children that the mother decides should live. But not the kids that have a destiny that God needs. You don't care about that. Because I told you last week, abortion kills destinies. It kills lives. It kills generations. It cuts off the tree. And if your tree only had one more gene to it, your family line is finished. Nothing else is coming from your family line. Because you killed your gene pool. So, so that's the first thing he told me. He said, no. He said, America hates the children. I said, but God, no. No, they hate the children. And I said, well, God, they love the ones they have. Yeah, but they hate the ones I have. So they cannot tell me what to love and what to hate. I decide that. And I decide that on the basis of a historical track that only I know. So we're talking about that. And then the next thing, he said, he said I'm telling you, the public school system is going to be brought into judgment for the product they unleashed on society. Because you want to say that this is culture. You want to say that this is just the way it is. Cultures don't change without change agents. As a matter of fact, nothing changes without change agents. Not one thing. Did you hear me? Nothing changes without a change. There must be a trigger. There must be an impulse. There must be a, a catalyst for change. Change does not just happen by, so just because you don't see the change agents doesn't mean that they don't exist. So when we look at the culture that we have today, the, the kids that we have today, when we look at them, we just act like the kids sat around in the corner and said, think I'm going to do this or think I'm going to do that. No, kids went out with older people. 
adults sold their change agendas in these children's minds. I don't know if I agree. Well, your rock stars did it. Your actors and celebrities did it. They rebelled against the institution. This rebellion goes all the way back to the 50s when we started going over to Europe for some enlightenment. Mm-hmm. See, this is an age old. Those sage ages were there. So their attitude is that we want to kill the church. I'm going to keep saying it because, see, I need preachers to wake up and say this is not about culture in terms of fashion, in terms of philosophies and ideologies. This is 100% a God battle. The B.C. God's children are trying to scrap to get them back in power and place, and they all look as if they're succeeding. Oh, and I'm glad that I know how this thing ends. So, Change doesn't happen without change agents. Your kid goes to school, innocent, come back, talking to little Johnny. Little Johnny said, little Sally said, Juanita said, and so they come back, and somebody has changed them for you, which is why you have got to make sure there's a strong foundation. Stop buying the lie. This is not an ideology war. This is not a culture war, unless you're going to take culture down to its formative words or its etymology, which is deity. This is a deity battle. And you are, and see, you keep, you're so upset because, hey, people have to be saved. First of all, people don't have to be saved. Y'all need to kill that. People must be saved if they want to be with the maker forever. If not, they can stay the way they are. The blood bought freedom. Freedom to do everything. Freedom to sin and pay the consequences Because we don't teach that You have freedom to sin That's why when you sin you don't die right away But the death process begins So we have this whole battle That we're, we're living the, the, this, this change These changes were made by old people Who are dying out Looking for replacements and legacy So they're, they're progenitors the progenitors of these doctrines, these beliefs and values and ideology, they most of them old-aged out professors in, in old universities that always hated Christianity, always hated the church, always. So your ideology today is, was their hatred back then. And so you're pushing a hate movement and not, no, you know how the homosexuals like, we are homophobic. I was like, did you read the CDC? Homo is a slight phobia. Because we ought to be scared of y'all. We ought to. Just like we ought to be scared of fire. We ought to be scared of, of, of bombs. We ought to be scared of viruses. We ought to be scared of diseases. We ought to be because you're dangerous. Because of we, the, when you sold this on this thing, there was no record. Now there's a record. We have a record. There is a record. There is data. This is hard data. Hard data. You, 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 your doctor can't touch your behind without plastic gloves. Why? I was trying to find a better way. <laughs> when you change your baby's diaper, you got to wash your hand. Baby, baby. And you want to tell us we ought not to be phobic? Are you kidding? We need you to be more phobic. Phobic enough to be safe See that see that stuff don't move me Homo what? Are you kidding? Because you want us to live on the homo Homo you don't want us to understand phobic See but I take the whole thing So 
I understand that. You cannot get intimate until you got jelly and gloves and plastic and creams and all that kind of stuff. And then you need a poo bag. And you want to tell us about phobic? See, the problem is nobody's describing this for the general public. So you think it's just a romantic moment. Not that it's a mess. I remember watching one of the, um, uh, help me God, what was it? Dalton Abbey. You know, I used to like Dalton Abbey. You know, so they gave us just, they got too modern for me. And I was like, well, I don't need to look at y'all to know what we're doing. We modern. Okay. But, and I remember the uh, May, this is a, this is in there, um, so I'm not saying anything that's not in, already publicized. And so the May go into the room after they had um, two uh, gay ambassadors. And they talked about the mess that was in there without even saying it. It's a mess. It's messy, stinky sex. And we need to start telling people that, just like we got to stop saying abortion and start saying kid killing. And maybe we could use a, a couple of shock theology and shock philosophy to make people understand this is still a biological process. And it is biological material that exchanged in the mouth, ears, whatever. We keep thinking that it isn't. That's why sex is cursed outside of marriage. Okay, put a little thing up there for, <laughs> for my, <laughs> See, because when I say sex is cursed, everybody's like, what? I don't understand. It's cursed outside of marriage because it's a biologic process. That's how we get reproduction. And for us to reproduce in feces is impossible. Ooh. So it has no purpose. Because people accept, but they in love. I don't care about they love. I got a lot of folks I love that I ain't trying to have sex with. Matter of fact, everybody I love, I ain't trying to have sex with. So it can't be. That can't work. Now, and and so they're proving it. <clears throat> I need you to hear me because this is very important. Because you are voting for something that you think is, is going away. It isn't. These people are not in rooms where it's, it's kind of like, you know, prostitutes. You ever go in a, a room where a bunch of prostitutes are? That's the stinkingest place you ever want to be in. I don't care how much spray they have. Sex stinks. It stinks done the right way or the wrong way. That's why people need showers. And tubs, etc. Because sex is cursed. It's, it's literally God cursed it because of what it reproduces other than children. Because it's a passageway. Not just a rite of passage. There's a reason why they use that. It's a passageway. It's a transit system for spirits, for disembodied or invisible or bodyless life. You are never going to pass more on to another person than you will through sex. That's the max of passing on. So when God says in 1 Corinthians 6, it is the only sin that's done, what? Every other sin is outside the body. Sex is the only way you can contaminate the human body, whether through you or the person who gave life to you. And now this is what your, our people didn't know, because, you know, we show you all of the, you know, all of the good-looking stuff. You, they show you a picture of folk grunting and carrying on. That sounds like really exciting. You have no idea about the invisibles that are going on behind that, which is, which is what we call disease, infections. Why is that? 
Why is it? I mean, you can you literally you can hold somebody's hand and not get as many diseases and infections as you can get from having sex because it's cursed. Because it's cursed. Y'all still loving on me? Because see, you want to tell your kids, well, I don't understand why we got to have sex for marriage. And you know the you know, you know the the, the um, sex revolution to tell you there's no reason because only in marriage is sex protected, and curses and diseases deflected. Only in marriage, because the the global, the general, the universal—that's a better word—the universal um, condemnation of sex is everybody, everybody. So then you get upset, you get married, you kid, and you get pregnant. Kids don't live. I mean, and not only that, sex is a perverter. You think about it. It said because when you don't, when you start committing adultery, you release the spirit of murder. That's a real thing. So that's another condemnation. You re- jealousy. A jealous man, a jealous woman, you release the spirit of murder. You re- and, and then you turn around and you mix up the seed because there's not all DNA can reproduce from any DNA. So you mix that up. That's why we have deformities, etc. They are working hard to take every, every curse out of sex. And they, they, another one just keeps showing up. Just keeps showing up. All your diseases. And a lot of these these cancers, they're finding out they're the the uh, what do you call it the aftermath or the the effect of a sexually unrestricted society. Now that's God, and so they can tell me all that stuff they want. I listen to them. It sounds like y'all a little rhetoric, but see, they can tell you all, and you're so hot in the bottom, you don't think about why is it that you need a little kid to understand sex. You don't even ask the right questions. You're so hot in the bottom, you won't challenge the questions. You won't challenge the rhetoric, which is how we got this far. All you know is that, well, it feels good until you're diseased. And then when it's diseased, it's God's fault for not healing you. He said, well, I didn't have the sex. You did. I didn't do that because we got better sense than to spread our stuff around like that. We don't do that in my world. And you're upset. You sit there and slept with all of these men, and now you got something in your breast. And you mad at Jesus. You said they had uh, three abortions in college, one in high school, and you mad at Jesus because your body is not able to do what you wanted to do, at which point you get the point, you get the lesson that God wanted you to get. You are not your own. Saved or unsaved, we belong to somebody. Is this okay? Are they all right with me? Oh, yeah, that's because, see, you want to go and yell at God for not healing you instead of thanking him for not killing you. Because that is the sovereign's option. But we have a merciful God. He says to Israel, he says, listen, because I delight in mercy, you are not consumed. And that doesn't mean he uh, tit for tat kind of thing. That means because I delight in mercy, I put a ban on killing you. We have to start thinking about our God in the way he is. We are so caught up in print and how somebody wants to interpret the print that we have never taken time to learn the man, Christ Jesus. But when you get ready to die, your Bible's not going to get you out of here. The scriptures that are wonderful, any translation, not going to get you out of here. The angels of God can't take you until God releases them. So devils can't even get you out of here. You know if they could kill you the day after you say the sinner's prayer, they would. The day before, they would kill you. Because that way they get more subjects in their realm, in that nether realm. Because, see, they are in that nether realm. 
And so you don't realize that God himself stops the consequences of the sin, that the law of sin and death, from taking you out. So he'll let it take you down. He'll, he'll let it take you through. He'll let it take you under, but he won't let it take you out because the thoughts that he thinks of you are good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. But you need to understand out of everything, can you imagine, think of this. I want, come on, lean in. Let's lean in. Before you lean in, share, because you want your friends to get this. Say so she getting ready to say something that is going to be a little bit disturbing. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, Apostle Ashley got a horn. She's ready. <laughs> Honey, the audience got the horn. They ready. But do you realize that America was taken out by sex? The greatest nation on the planet has been weakened, diminished, and belittled by sex. Now, that's powerful when you think about it. Well, Dr. Price, I don't think, yeah, you should. Look at all of our leaders. Look at how that is always used. Look at how it's been pushed. So much so, it went from when you used to go and think you were going to marry somebody, you sat down on the porch with the family. Then... We moved. We, we, we got sophisticated. We Family stayed in the living room looking out the window. And then we moved on, and we started to go for walks, not touching. And then we started holding hands. And then from there, we moved into kissing. And from there, we moved into fondling. And from there, we kept moving in. And I'm talking about now the cultural part, not the individual weaknesses. So finally... That you go on a date, you go off that way from home altogether with somebody you don't know. And we went from there to going by yourself and picking up somebody you don't know. And then we went from there with you not only going by yourself, picking up someone you don't know, but now shacking with somebody you don't know, taking them home, bringing them into your body, into your life, into your privacy, into your treasures. And then when that got a little bit sticky, we came up with electronic dating. And then now you don't worry about it. You can just get somebody you don't know from anywhere. So now while you're doing all of this, trying to feel good inside, trying to, to, to get your share of this sexual explosion, you, while you're doing that, your mind is on nothing else. Yeah. Now, in the midst of this, you're also racking up something that we don't talk about, and that's broken hearts. You are racking up broken hearts from lies and cheating, from games and deceptions, from frauds and defraudings. You got all of that comes with the dating scene. You are now a game. They call it a game. It's a dating game. It's a game. It's a gambit. And so now you're there. Okay, so you're really, right now, you're in it. You can't eat straight. You can't concentrate so you can't do your job because you're frustrated or either you're irate and on and on. Some ate is eating you. <laughs> Some ate is eating you up. <laughs> you got it that time, didn't you? So what do you have to do? You have to calm yourself. You have to relax yourself. You have to take that now that, that libation over dinner 
and you got to bring it into something stronger, so you're upping it, and now you're into hard drugs. So now you're addicted to sexuality, and you're addicted to drugs. And then some of us add to that, some of you are addicted to food. You are threefold addicted, talking about why you can't find Miss Right and Mr. Right. You don't know who was Miss Right or Mr. Right. You probably blew them off early in the game. And everything you're getting now is a counterfeit and a mock-up. You can't think of anything. You look at commercials. You can't, you can't, they don't sell teeth, toothpaste so your teeth will be clean only. Oh, now we got to sell toothpaste so that you can get somebody. <laughs> hygiene, hygiene is way down the list, which is why we have unrestricted sex. Because unrestricted sex is about being a, a, a country with no hygiene, changing all of the rules of hygiene. So hygienic fit, doesn't figure into it. We, we got movies where 15 people in the bed, they all get up, throw on clothes, ain't nobody wash nothing. Y'all done licked and lapped and sucked and whatnot on each other, ain't wash a thing, and then go to work and touch people. It's a nasty practice, but we don't want to know because nobody wants to talk about the nasty. We want to talk about the pleasure. That little short window of pleasure is nothing compared to trying to deal with the disease. And every time you turn around, you got scientists obsessed with finding more ways to beat the curse. As if God hasn't figured this out. You realize that that which is has already been. And some of you all, you're like, you're, television, uh, do you, hit, okay. Hit the table. Bang the Now you got psychologists telling you that the reason you are psychological is because you haven't had sex with somebody. The television, all of these shows, well, when last you you got laid? You didn't ask me when last I had a cold, when last I ate breakfast, when last I had a friend, when last, uh uh-uh. You're psychologists, which means that they are not about your soul. They're about somebody's agenda because not having sex has never killed anybody. Now, not eating, yeah, you probably gonna, it's going to take you a while. And it will take a while. Not sleeping, yeah, you can go a few days, but that's, those, are, those are, you have to have those. Those are vital, essential. Not eating, not sleeping, not drinking water, yeah, dehydration, take you out in a little bit. Not having a friend, not eating dessert, not going out of your house, you don't die from that. You don't die from not having sex. So why is it such a number one agenda? If, it, if you don't die without it, mm-hmm. and you got a psychologist, you got doctors telling you that this is, these are medical professionals who know the truth. They know. They're looking at the fallout. They're looking at the consequences and yet tell you to join the disease. Why? I need one of you specialists out there psychologist, doctor, whatever, tell me why when, when not having sex won't kill you. People have never died from not having sex. They die from a lot of, as a matter of fact, more people die from having sex than have died from not having it. Y'all still flowing with me? And yet you have this compulsion, this drive to risk your life, your family, your well-being for something that won't kill you if you avoid it. Is this okay? I just want to know, if they, are they flowing with me? Because you need to say that. Why is it your kid must have sex and can't get an inoculation? 
Now, we can't give them inoculation, but they must have sex. Why is it that your daughter is getting breast augmentation when you don't know how big they're going to grow anyhow? (laughs) You augmenting something, that's like injecting a plant with a larger version of itself, not knowing how large it's going to grow. So, you know, you don't know if when she gets 16, you're going to have to take that out or 18. Why are your kids getting organ, sexual organ implants for something that won't kill them if they avoid it? Ask yourself. I want to know who's bold enough to say, I know the answer. Ask yourself, why is it important to the world that your child is corrupt at the earliest age? And who is the corrupter? Because all of these people who are banded together for this didn't already come up in the same house, same country, same tree. And yet they all feel the same passion toward corrupting the youth and perverting and diminishing women. You know, we talk, you, you have a lot of the feminists talking about, I just don't like, I just, I, they just, they're undoing our work. You didn't do your work right. What did you do? You burnt your bra. You made it sexual. You didn't, you didn't empower women to do anything right. I mean, I still go back to the whole thing when Trump got elected. That was the vilest display yeah. of feminism anybody could ever have. It was vulgar. It was vile. But the thing that was worse about it, I will not ever forget the fact that y'all banded together to play with your vagina and your tits and didn't care about the hungry people. You didn't care about the women that had problems. You didn't care about the women who didn't get a choice, who were in a man's house, who were in slave trade. That was a mockery, and it was the worst mockery I've ever seen. Around the world, you could, you could have banded together around the world to do that, and you couldn't stop hunger. You couldn't stop slave trafficking. You couldn't do anything powerful with your gathering, with your masses, but show everybody, yeah, I got a boob. Yeah, I got a vagina. Yeah, I hate men. Yeah, that, I thought, oh, my God, they put the whole world, went back to high school. Because that's what happened. The whole world back to high school. You kids in school now, you live for the day. We used to live for the day. We graduated. We could walk away from that. Now it's walking into our lives. Education. And what did you teach? Everything. Everything about education is teaching the vulgarity of the human species because Satan hates humanity because he wasn't made one. See, humanity was made in God's image and likeness. And the redeemed are born again into the very nature and gene pool of the Godhead. He got neither, which is why he had to get up. He had to aspire to the Mount of God. Jesus sitting up there. I'm the kid. I'm the offspring. Yeah. He's up there. And he's ruling by right, by natural right, by nature, by virtue of how God brought him into existence and then extended him to the world, to creation. Why is it that AI is so important? To wipe out humanity. Oh, and don't buy the help hype. We always say, you know, one of the ways to get people to do it is to tell people it's going to help. But help always hurts because hurt was the original agenda. Help hurts because help only helps the future hurt because they always use that. 
You know, wasn't it wonderful? Man, I love Google. I promise you I love the Google people. I really do. But you know what? I was, I'm not deceived. They don't love us. That's why people from satellites can look into our houses and find our address anywhere because they don't love us. They don't love us because they are moved by the spirit that hates humanity and tell you that it's all for humanity. Or you look at all of the things that they have released to us, how healthy is it? How helpful? How safe? See, this is the way apostles and prophets ought to think. We ought to think strategy and stratagem, tactics. We ought to think those, not sympathy and empathy. They don't empathize with us, and they don't sympathize with us. They don't, and if you're Christian, and you're, Bill, I'm talking about a, a Jesus Christian, hallelujah. We used to say Bible Christian, but they done messed that up. So we, we talk about it. If you are Christ-filled Christian, you are even more of a problem, and you're a problem because you are the reason he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, because we are above that. We sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, well, how does that look? I mean, how can we sit in heavenly places? All of us. I mean, I'll be a kind of crowded throne. No, well, not if you're sitting in the man's body. So you have a strip mall that can go for 10 miles, and then you have a building that can go up 100 stories. That's a lot of people put it up there. So we, when he said we're sitting, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we're seated, seating, or seated. I like the word seated because it's rulership. Sit is rest. Seat is rule. So, um, but we're seated in him, in Christ Jesus. We are his cells. We are his organs. Hallelujah. We're his veins, his, his vascular system. We are his heart, his soul, his brain. We are seated in him. Because that's how we began just in his reproductive self. But now, going back as, as old people, we're now seated in him, in his old being. And it's not unlike you. You got DNA in every part of you. DNA, RNA, and everybody else's ABCD alphabet something. But we are, and we are a problem for darkness because we are the sons and daughters of light. We're the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're not just radiance, and we're not just our emanations. We are substance. We are literal light pods in this man's body, not bright and shining, brighter than anything he made, because we are his very self. That's a problem. That is a problem for someone who aspired to that wrecked all creation for it and lost his bid. And then to see us come along. And all we got to do is say, we believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. We repent of our sins. We know that his blood sanctifies us more. All we have to do is say that, and boom, he steps in us. Obviously, he didn't like the conversion plan God had. He never wanted to convert to the Godhead. He wanted to pervert it, and he wanted to replace it. Never wanted to convert. So he couldn't do that in all creation, so he got, puts him in a prison called Earth. And in this prison, he gets to rule anything he wants, except there's nothing there. But those who failed with him. I can imagine that must have been a scrap fest. Are you all following me? And so he can't even get a kingdom or a realm until the Almighty comes and says, let there be light. Because there was no light on earth. There was darkness. The earth was dark. There was no light. 
Satan didn't start. That's why he can't deal with light now. Why do you think vampirism is good for him? Ooh. Coffee. Sip time. Mm. Are you sipping something? Oh, yeah. Rachel has water. You have to understand. Please understand. This world did not start in the light this last regeneration or renovation. So it, Satan couldn't put light in his own world. Y'all ain't just said that. Because if he could have lighted up the world, then Genesis wouldn't be again with let there be light. You understand it until the more you know, the more you grow. And the more you grow, the more powerful and potent you are. You have got to know the truth. It's the knowledge of the truth that makes you free. Why? Because the truth obliterates a lie. A lie, the truth reveals what the lies are meant to conceal. Satan never wants you to know that he lost his beard. He never wants you to know that the planet was dark and he was in it. In a dark planet. Unable to produce snot. He couldn't produce anything There was no life in his world And so we got him and all these spirits In this world In the water and in the atmosphere around it And it's dark See we don't pay attention I love scripture I promise you I love scripture You know why? Because I don't read it like they preached it I read it like the author wrote it, with the mindset and the concept. You all haven't hit that thing, that that God, he couldn't even bring himself out of jail. He could not reproduce anything. He had nothing but swampland. The earth was without form and void and darkness. He was the darkness upon the deep. How are you going to have a darkness in the deep? Don't you just love that, Jesus? And so God had to come and say, let there be light. And so we got, now we got two, and we got the parallels of back into existence, something that probably hasn't happened since they were cast out of heaven. But we got the two. We got light and we've got darkness. And the light is literally overtaking the darkness. So God said he drew a horizon so we can separate the two. And so he separated the light from the darkness so each one's properties would do and fulfill their assignment. Light is to, uh, to bring, uh, is to give birth and life and sustain. Death is to kill, to suffocate. That's why when you are depressed, they don't say, boy, you're so enlightened, you're depressed. No, they say you're dark. Darkness overtakes you. So he couldn't even get his, he couldn't even restart. And then he turns around and God finishes the creation and he finally makes a paradise, a living world out of this dark one. When they go out in the space, they keep trying to find something else that's like earth can't. And they hate that they can't find it. And so he goes there and then God creates man and sets humanity in the garden. Because nobody ever asked, where did the serpent come from and where did Satan come from in the serpent? And why was it a serpent that took out humanity and the planet? 
See, we're so busy having arguments, we're so busy pushing our views and pushing our commentaries and all of that, we have to sit down and explore these questions. I try to have these conversations with people, and I'm telling you, they slap back with old doctrine that's already been disproved. They slap back with all kinds of stuff. And I'm saying, but can you stop for a minute and ask the question? Because I did not get these answers by telling God what humanity said and what humanity wrote and giving him popular theology and pop doctrine. I didn't do that. I said, God, I just need to know one thing. Who do I believe? And this is way back. That's about 1982, maybe 83. He said, just remember this. God is true and every man's a liar. That lie doesn't even just mean malicious, doesn't mean fraudulent. It means that the nature of humanity is malicious, is fraudulent, is dark, is doomed. That's the nature. And that is what your humanists don't like. All of these earthly religions didn't want to accept it because Cain didn't. So they'll tell you humanity's basically good. Really? Are you sure? Because with the Holy Ghost, we have good to each other. Because when the Spirit of God wasn't in the planet, it was horrible. It was like nothing you ever saw because there was no prophylactic against the darkness, against the angels and the sons of God, the cruel, ruthless ones that lost their bid for eternal power. You cannot be an apostle, you cannot be a prophet and get this wrong. It's because it's gotten wrong and because it was all wrapped up and you just, just, you just accept, just snatch and take, just take it the way you want, just assume I'll take that ass, and you just took it the way you want as if God did not have living, breathing creatures administrating this stuff for him, executing it, legislating it, adjudicating it. But he does. But he does. And so because of it, you don't get the revelation. You hardly want to get an education. And so you don't want to get the revelation because you don't want to figure out the inspiration. What motivated this man to write what he wrote? Even with all of the edits, redactions, and all of that stuff that's in the Bible today, he's still ruling. Because the Bible does not work God's work. The Bible words God's work. It's the Holy Spirit that works it. It's the Christ in you. And the Christ in the planet that works it. And so as we go forward, um, because we're going to switch off in about a minute, but as we go forward, you need to understand that for all of the things that I just said, education is the first sphere or mountain. It's not the last. I know people say, well, you know, it was family. The first thing God did when he made Adam was what? Adam did not have a family before he got a revelation. Listen, of all the food in this garden you can eat every tree have, have a blast every tree every herb the idea of eating meat didn't exist because there was no depth that had to be replenished so he goes and he said you can eat from all of that now he doesn't have a wife when he gets this word so there is no family just in case you all didn't know because sometimes we have got to think this thing through the way the man wrote it so adam didn't have a family when god spoke to him so the first thing adam gets is a education, a training, and prophecy. Of all the trees of the garden, you may eat. He didn't even say the world. He said garden. Your food's in here, which means wasn't much out there. He said, but all the trees you may eat, freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he's got education. He's got explanation. He said, thou shalt not eat. 
And lastly, he said prophecy. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. So he gets in, he, he, listen, God gives him education. Hey, you got all these trees. Adam's a smart guy. He's, he's, he's made in his image, the image of his maker. So he knows that means that every tree holds life and sustenance for him. He put that together. And then God says, but, and here's where the prohibitions come in, the restriction. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You should not eat. Now, he did not tell him you are unable to eat. He said, you shall not eat. So that's a, that's a, so here's a ban on this tree, and here's a prohibition. Why does he have a ban on it? So then he said, for in the day, and that's prophecy. So Adam got all of that before he got a wife. We like to say, think that Adam and his wife were standing there together and God did that. No, the woman was still in Adam's being. She got it by being part of his makeup. She was in his being and in God's being. Because remember, God blew, blew Adam out of his own being into a body. There you go. So what was the ban about? The ban was not about the life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God did not have a problem with the knowledge. He had a problem with its effects. Because, see, the tree of life had the knowledge of good, wisdom, the knowledge of good, because it said wisdom is a tree of life, Proverbs. So the tree of life had the knowledge of good. What was not in the tree of life was evil, which is death. I always like the fact that they, they just played this little game, whoever our, our Bible translators were, and they just felt evil is lived backwards to let us know that evil is a reverse of life and living. It will destroy you. So what Adam did not have the knowledge of was how to die, how to kill, how to rot away, how to disrupt, how to even have that. That was in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, education, number one. So now that same tree motif is playing out in the public school system. How to, li- how to kill yourself, how to die, how to pervert, how to destroy, how to hate your classmates, how to um, wreck your body. You're talking little bodies, little bodies. And parents are allowing this. It, 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 it gets me. I said, huh? You took and moved your kid into a wonderful neighborhood, buy them the best clothes, you get them the best doctors, the best practitioners of everything, and then you leave them in a school system that will wreck them biologically, physiologically, and psychologically. You leave them there after spending all of the money to give them the best, and yet you will spend money and leave them in a place where they get the worst education. We, we can't write cursive. What is that about? You know what that's about? I'll tell you what it's about. Because they didn't expect you to just move. That. Two things. Number one, cursive is part of the whole Christian era, the whole Christian spectrum in terms of educating, signing your name on papers. Now you sign your name with a computer doc that anybody can hack, making them vulnerable to destruction and assuring that in the future they don't have to worry about reading or writing because they got pictures. 
They'll just be point and click at pictures, which what? Which brings that brain down. So instead of taking away books, they take away the key of knowledge by taking away the resources and the facilities that pass on knowledge. So you, everything is just point and click, you know? So they expect that. They expect you to speak, to speak it, so, or however way you do it. But what you won't, and so you'll get the, you'll get the substance. Well, you'll get the um, image, but you'll always lack the substance. And what you lack in substance, you will not build intelligence for. So this is a long-range plan. And if you go and read their long-range plans, you'll see they have no use for God's creation. They 100% plan to replace God's creation with their artificial droid versions because they, impl- they plan to ens- enslave and entomb humanity. Now, they still can't do it without God's creation, but they certainly can destroy it. In uh, Daniel talks about the vision as our prophets come on board. Daniel talks about the, the great beast uh, the, that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And the last part of it, we always talk about ten nations, but it said something very powerful in that interpretation. The Lord showed Daniel that the toes of the beast would be mingled with the seed of men. And he said they will mingle with the seed of men. Because you wonder where is this in the Bible? And so it's showing that they, the day we're talking about, are the other spirits, the unclean spirits, who want to mingle or mix themselves, AI, with the seed of humanity and produce ten nations that have no use for Christ or God. But again, it's Bible, and you don't have time to read it. Amen. Well, we have our two teams. Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. But you have to recognize that our job is to bring the word of God to you and bring it alive from the author's mind, which is why Paul talks about the, the... the, the, the who has known the mind of the Lord, a passage of scripture that is brought forward from Isaiah, but we have the mind of Christ. You must read the Bible with the mind that was in Christ, not the mind of your preacher. Mm-hmm. Can I say that? The yeah. mind of your universe. And look at it. We just looked at one of the most powerful universities in the world have kicked God out again. And, he ha- and God can go down the line because all of them started Christian. And my prayer is that we're not doing that in Price University, and it's in here. It's in our bylaws, and as far as I'm concerned, if, if that's where they're going, I need you all to decompose and deconstruct because God, God's got enough enemies against him. Yes. What is going to happen with all of these schools? How do you think these things got into society? Because they started in Christian schools, right? and then they went from Christian schools to, Christian, or to pub, um, professions, secular professions, mm-hmm. So the church educated, you want to know where we are, the Christian universities that turned from Jesus educated the population that now thinks homosexuality is okay. See, that's an educational process. So those kids now that are going to ORU and going to graduate, they're going to enter the workforce thinking, hey, it's okay, and Jesus is no different than any other God because that's what the school system taught. Because remember, we forget the public school system started 100% Christian. Right, that's so good. 
And so education literally prepares the profession and then populates the society with that view. So you're going to look now, because even now you got people over there, because see folks sent their little homosexual kids to those schools, just like they sent them to ORU, and they sent the kids. The kids felt what, what, what our, our defense of what we believe, our defense of why we exist, and, that, and what happened was then the kids, because one just any old kid it had to be the kid whose parent had enough money to say, but I can make you. If you let me buy you, I can make you. So then you got the parent who's going to buy because, see, my kid can't be left out. Meanwhile, that parent is on the Satan's payroll saying, I need you to take that school down because it's stopping me from gaining inroads there in Oklahoma. It's stopping me. That's, how we, that's what the casinos are doing. That is what the, the hemp places are doing. That is what the vape places are doing because Satan said, Christians, we got them down. They don't know who they are. They're a Identity has been broken, severed from Christ. Now we can go in and we can reform them. And so we were talking about a reformation movement. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Wow. Because that, wow. that, and that, we weren't the only one with the reformation movement. We were the only ones who wanted the reformation movement to happen silently, peacefully in church. Because mm. we thought if we reformed the church, that would help. We didn't realize that the church itself needed to do its own reformation. See, if we, if we, 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 where were we on the votes for these things? This happens to Jesus all the time. And he, this has happened to him before, and it happened again. So I said to God, you know me and Jesus, I said, now, Holy One, mm-hmm. I need you to tell me how we're going to do this. And, you know, when you got nothing's too hard. He said, I've rescued humanity before, and I'll rescue them again. <laughs> he was like, ho-hum. Oh, <laughs> okay. that. Oh, that. He said, I have rescued the earth before. This is not my first time rescuing earth. When I told you that vision about me and Melchizedek in my kitchen, the one thing God said was that uh, I have to send my team in because humanity has lost the power to rescue itself, to, to, to fend off what's coming on it. And so we look like, bless Jesus. We look like we get, we don't know what we have to do. Jesus are like, are you kidding? God never. He has always rescued us by angels coming into the planet. Remember Syria. They, they're just down there and the angels come in and they, Israel all ready to fight. Don't even have to fight. God's like dead. Angels came in, fought the battle, went home. By the time they got there, all these dead bodies laying around. Because that's God. Okay. That's God. Diseases. He said, I, when, a, when, a land, when a land rises up against me, I send them plagues. I send them the sword. Cause he send the, and he said, and I send them lack. Mm. Okay. He says that. So God has always, always won back what he wanted. If he wants a generation, he's going to take it. And this generation of the 21st century, God wants. So he's been sending in angels left and right. And I'm telling you, I know it, because laws that used to get through can't get through any longer. Changes that used to be, and they're weakening. Look at the weakening. Because, see, we're so busy looking at what's still hanging on. We're not looking at what's gone. But I want you to know that. So I want to say this, and then you all can talk because I'm, I, man, my, hmm. you know, I told God if he reminded me, I would tell it. I told you the story about uh, early 2000s when I saw this spaceship come to the planet, and, and it, was, um, it was made like a bell. 
It was really made like a bell. And I always think, why was it a bell, you know? Mm. But I'll find it. I'll talk about that later. But anyhow, so it was made like a bell, but it had lights on the bottom of it, which were the colors of America, red, white, and blue. And they were spinning, and it was landing on the ground. It was newly paved ground, and it was like early to midwinter, kind of like a December. And it landed. I looked in there, and there was a Greek guy who was handling it, but the, um, the craft itself was full of young men. And they were rogues. They were criminals. That's why the criminal element took hold so easily. Because they see, cause when I say angels are coming, y'all don't say yay. But see, the devil says enough to know that if God is letting rogues through and he's letting criminal element through, it's their time. Ooh. So, so I. <laughs> so this is 2000 Now prior to that I saw nothing but beasts And these beasts came And they, they came in like a huge dinosaurs And their tail, tail was tearing up cities Was tearing up lands and homes So anyway So when the thing landed All of these young men got out And they were They, were, um, they looked like everyday guys But they were, they were criminals And they were ruled by this Greek Guy and kind of Greco-Roman, so I understood that. And because you know what? Now, before y'all think it's all about race, it's about mythology. Ooh, Those yeah, deities yeah. of mythology. Right. So, so they came to the planet, and they began to spread out, and they fanned out, and they went to all of society. And so I shared this with, um, I shared this vision with a couple of prophets of because you know eighties in the eighties, nineties and two thousands, you couldn't get a prophet to hear anything too sage because they were all out there in the gimme, 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 gimme. Not all. That's a lie. There were many of them. And so I shared it and they were like, Ooh, that's interesting and I thought, Yeah, God, these prophets, these are and he kept saying blind watchmen, those who will not see. So they did. Well, after uh, as of two months ago uh, maybe Three weeks. As of three weeks ago, I'm in prayer, and God is saying their time is up. Now, he's been telling me that in all of his dreams, and I've been sharing those dreams with you. You need to go back and listen to my broadcast, because I talked to you about the dream of all the dead snakes. I talked to you about the dream of the facility that God has taken down. I talked to you about the dreams about Donald Trump and how I knew he would be president and and how God showed me. So you all need to go back and look at some of these, because they're going to paint a picture for you. And so... Anyway, so I'm having a vision with God, and he's just talking, and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes, and the, spray, the spaceship is on the ground, empty, and, he, and, and, and it, the door opens, and all of those same men are getting in the spaceship, and the angels of God are putting them in, and they're going peacefully. There's no war. There's no battle. He said, for a season, their time is up. Mm-hmm. He told me. He said, their time is up. He said, so I'm sending them back to where they're stationed. So you're going to see crime drop. And you're going to see more righteous leaders get in power. Now, the flesh may not know it, but the, but the spirits don't care because they don't, you don't have power without it because the powers that be come from God. So God has to send angels or spirits in to make happen what he wants to strengthen humans. And he's going to strengthen a lot of humans. So all of this criminal element, the angels are putting them on this spaceship, 
and they're going back to their station. Watch the changes. Watch the things that change. Watch the laws that now get through. Watch what's being reversed and overturned. If you all are given an overturned mandate by the Holy Ghost, work hard at it because we got a short window. But watch it. So I say that to you. You know, even when they talked about um, Donald Trump and they talked about our president, and we were just talking with the young ones, and it was like, yeah, but I don't think, I'm telling you, I know, I don't prophesy just because I see a picture. I'm not going to prophesy a picture. I'm going to tell you what's in it because I don't open my mouth until God gives me wisdom because true prophecy from the Almighty has to have wisdom. It comes with wisdom. If it just comes with a picture, then that's a prophecy, a gift of prophecy. There is no, uh, 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 we'll talk about that in another class. So I'm saying this to you to say that this is, we're moving into our time. God has almost finished unloading the spiritual citizens, the celestial citizens, because that's how we started. The celestial citizens of God are hitting the planet. Now, before this came, I woke up one morning, and I was in the uh, spirit realm, and uh, when I was in the spirit realm, you know, can you imagine, I could sit there and write all this analytical stuff, and me and God still talk basics. And so the spirit of uh, Egypt was trying to break through in a portal. And I said, not today, you got to go. And began to push back. See, we just think because we see it, it's a must be. Oh, yes. Share this right. 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 Okay? Because right. we think it's a must be. But with the gifters, they can't stop it. That's why it's important to know our officers. Because an office belongs to an institution. Institutions has been existing a long time. You realize a company does not put a lot of power in its temps. Right. Or its placeholders. That's good. But it puts a lot of authority in its officials. And so... I was like, oh, no, you're not coming in here. That's so not going to happen. I rebuke that in the name, and I am the sitting power, and I know that I am. So you're not doing that. We put you on hold. Now, you stay right on out there where you are until such time as God's ready to return this particular movement and agenda back into the hands of darkness. Right now, heaven's taking it out of the hands of darkness. Watch me Mm. on this word. Mm. Because heaven wants some people out of this generation. It has nothing to do with that. Uh-huh. He just wants to, he need, whatever the, the biological and the DNA uh, complex of this generation is, heaven needs it. And so he's doing it. So God's pushing back. That's why you hear, don't you hear a softening of the music? Don't you hear a change of the, all going back? So they're not going back because they think that, mm-mm. They're going back. They're having to append to go back, appear to go back to nostalgia simply because that's, you know, people are tired of this. No, because God has already shifted the angelic guard. He has shifted the agents of light. And see, when I watched them go in that spaceship without a problem, I said, yeah, you know, truly all power has been given to you, Lord Jesus, in heaven and earth. Those angels just stood there and said, get in. And I just saw them step into the ship. So good. And load up. See, I can give you the reasons why I prophesy what I prophesy. That was good. I don't just give you the prophecy. I can tell you. When he told me about the whole thing about, well, this is what we think, that's what you think, that may be what you think, but I'm a sitting power, and that is not what's going to happen. Ooh, man. And I would pray. 
and I would pray. That's why we have Christ University, so the rest of the sitting powers can get the conversions yeah. and the codes of conversion that you need to say this doesn't have to be. Because because understand, we have been riding under the evangelical mantle. Love evangelical. I, I have some friends. I'm telling you. So this is not about them, but this is about the fact that for a season God was about soul win- winning. Now we're up to sovereign sanctifying because God needs power to make things happen. So we might have been an evangelical church, but we're about to become apocalyptic because we are manifesting the apocalypse of the sons and daughters of the living God. You need to recognize that just like the evangelical stronghold was real and they all rose up to beat down the evangelical, I want you to understand before there was an evangelical, there was apocalyptic, those people were about apostleship. And apostles are about apocalyptic. They are, and not not just the destructive, because, you know, they talk about it like that, but apocalypse is a trigger. So God is about triggering the next level, the next wave. When I teach apostles, I always say, but we bring in the next wave, the next new. And so this thing, we're going to shift from evangelism and evangelicalism to apocalyptic. Mark my words. And I don't miss. I've been missed with you all. Some of you all have been with me 30 years, and what I said was true. And I'm telling you, and that's the, those are the fighters. That's the fighter pilots. Those are the warriors. Those are the Christians that are not taken down. Those are the Christians who have already met Jesus in a different way. Those are the ones that have been filled with all of the power of God, the fullness of God. Those are the Christians that not only read their Bible, they have become their Bible. They've become the word of God. They have become the Christ child themselves. We are that one, and we don't break down. We don't back down. See, the, I can understand, I know a difference between a charismatic, evangelical, and a traditional Christian, fundamental, and I know the sound of an apocalyptic Christian. And there is a muscle in them because they run in with the Lion of Judah on, and not there. just the Lamb of God. And so ah. you need, hey, cut I'm clear on the on the on the zeitgeist of this area. I'm clear on the ambience, the climate, the ecology, because this is Jesus take over, take hold and take over. He was the first one that landed. Two thousand, I saw him land in the American airspace. I talked about that, and I'm telling you right now, that's hear me. That's good, that's good. Him, now, this is not a replacement. Ooh. We're not replacing anything. God is sending in the re, the recovery force, the recovery team. He's sending in the recoup, because we're the recuperators. So we're going to do this. And I thank God for this, because I don't I do not do this job wondering what God's going to do. They tell me all of this stuff on the news. I say, I don't care about that. I'm up. Cause I, because I realize even God's celestial citizens are scary. They are scary people. These beings are like, are you kidding? First of all, they are loyal. They are devoted to their Jesus. They love their sovereign, and they are able to keep that. They don't move on us and move against us because Jesus will not let them, not because they're unable. And they, I mean, there are times, you saw Michael. Michael did not go against Satan, and he'd already defeated him. Wow. But Satan had a little more work to do elsewhere. So it was an understanding between the two. Hmm. Michael the archangel, Satan the cherub, fallen cherub. Ooh. Okay? And so he didn't go against them. So they don't move just because they, they could see that it would help. They, don't, they know that they don't have omniscience and they don't have omnidirectional 
perspectives. They don't have the 360 on what God is doing. So they move when he says. But make no mistake about it, we are well protected, church. We are well covered. And I mean, God is literally popping. He's, he's blanketed the planet with, oh, no. My God, come on. He has blanket, blanketed the planet with his civilians. See, God has his own celestial civilians. Not just angels. We're so busy thinking about angels, we don't realize that in order for those seven spheres to work, there has to be celestial populations to all of them. Hmm. Hmm. Who's first? Oh, my God. I was just thinking, I think we'd be very afraid if we got half of our prayers answered about us being beyond. (laughs) (laughs) We are not alone. Mm -mm, They're scary. They are scary because they're so pure, so righteous, and so sure. Like, they don't have any questions. There are no questions in these people, whatever. They don't have one question. We know Satan still has questions. He started out the whole conversation with Eve about questions. Did God really say? These angels don't have those questions. These celestial civilians don't have. Somebody gonna hear me. My God, my God. I cannot. Somebody hear me. I, I'm telling you, they don't. They have no question about who Jesus is, why he's Lord, why he's sovereign. There are no questions. I'm gonna keep saying this. That is why you can tell a converted Christian because they have more answers than questions. Unconverted Christians have more questions than answers. Oh my God. Okay. Because God hasn't talked to them. Not a doubt. A lot of dust. I, I have no questions. They ask me, well, how could you, what? I don't have any, I, I have no questions, and I have no doubt about who Jesus is, how he got to be who he is, how he ran, how they, I live that because I am now a full-fledged celestial citizen. I'm she got paper. She has celestial paper. I got paper. Celestial paper. I'm telling you, I am a part of the population of the royal realm of God. And I like saying it. We have to start saying it. Stop saying it's hard. Stop saying you're only human. You're not. Stop that. That is the devil's lie. Stop it. That's to weaken you. You are not only human. Stop Stop saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Are you kidding? You already made it. If you weren't going to make it, you wouldn't be in. Now, you can abandon it, but stop saying that. And I don't. I was like, are you kidding me? I am good with God. Me and God are so good together. Babe, you know God's my husband. Yeah. Now, and then this one knows for sure. Are you kidding? Me and God are good together. We are the one. I don't know what else he got, but I am the one. I am. Love him up, hug him up, kiss him up, praise him. Yes, I do. And then do what he says. I want to encourage God. I encourage him. You all, all this here church today is discouraging. And if he could be discouraged as him, he, this is discouraging. It's profaning. It's defaming him. I am not. I was like, oh, no. They're not going to tell me I can't. I'm going to do something just because I want the devil to know I can do anything God needs. I said, stop. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. I know you all. You all are probably. The way to go. I know you all are probably going to hate this playback because, you know, we got all this noise. But to God be the glory. It's my birthday. I can do what I want. Oh, they got noise. But I want you to understand, I won't stop because I want hell to know Jesus is Lord and that 
His handiwork in me is superior. It's supreme. I am his supreme handiwork, and I intend to do whatever he has. I will command my body. You will get up in the name of Jesus. You will not disease yourself out of duty. You will take on your responsibility. You will press forward. Yes, I do. I don't allow my flesh to decide how I'm going to serve my God. My flesh does not get a say in how I'm going to serve my God. That's why I don't have a problem with that. No, I don't have to worry about sleeping around. Are you kidding? I'm trying to stay awake in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Baby, I gotta, oh, I'm gotta. i going to wake up to righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. You know, but, I mean, Peter said, awake unto righteousness. Hallelujah. And sin not. Paul said, he said, because some do not have the knowledge of God. Are you kidding? I'm awake to this man's righteousness. I don't think Jesus is asking too much of me. I don't think it's too hard. I'm telling you, and I'm giving you these words, This is because some of y'all are going to talk about a brag. Are you kidding? You better know a brag on my king. My king is the almighty God. He's the everlasting God. He's the ancient of days, first, last, beginning, and end, alpha, and omega. Come on, you need that Born of a virgin, the begotten one, maker of the heavens and God of all time. He's God in the flesh. He's a human divine. He's a man. He's a man. The God man. The God man. Well, he's God's almighty man. Oh, he's a man. He's a man. The God man. The God man. Yes, he's God's almighty man. In case you, so we're going to mark this my birthday party. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But I want you to understand, he's the Lord God Almighty. And I, we are going to treat our king better. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to mark a day. So treat Jesus the best day. Because we're going to treat our king better than we've been treating him. And we're not going to let our children mistreat him, our, our friends mistreat him, our family mistreat him. If they don't want to treat him right, we will send you a card. Hallelujah. But we're going to love on some Jesus the Christ. All right. I'm all excited. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's see. I like to sit up. You like God. What? Omnipotent reign, our Lord God. Omnipotent reign, every minute, every hour, by His great Almighty power. Yes, our Lord God. Omnipotent reign. You think so? Sugar pie, Jesus. You know he's a honey man, and I appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ, and I appreciate knowing him beyond the book. You know, these women know me beyond my writing. Yes. That's how come we can break out and all of this here stuff. They know me beyond my writing. They learned me from my writing, but then they, they literally move beyond what I wrote to who I am. You know, I always say you can know everything I wrote, but you don't know what I left out. Jesus. And you can't tell anybody why I left it out. And see, that's what the personal relationship is about. That's the personification. They know 
why I left it out. They know what I left out. They know what I put in one book and didn't put in another. So guess what? It is easy to say, argue with somebody about print, but it's tough to tell these people about who I am because they know me. They're going to tell you, you can come to them with a lie. They're going to tell you you're a lie. Probably. Exactly. That's a lie. That ain't right. That ain't right. You need to stop. Wait, that's right. I don't hang that's out in a lot of public places, so public people don't have to make up lies about me. <laughs> See how that works? I stay in my isolation and secluded place, so y'all can't figure out what I'm doing. Y'all don't have to come up with a lie. <laughs> well, that's why you do. When, you, when you're too public, you give people too many reasons to lie on you. Oh, and to lie about you, because they, they take a seed of truth and turn it into a root of lie. Okay, you want to start it? Okay. Okay. I would like to go back to something you said because you shared this wisdom with the prophet when we were on the road, and you mentioned it today, but kept going with another point about how. Yeah, come on. Just because you see something in the spirit doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. And so, um, can you just speak a little bit more about that because you shared some really good wisdom how. Because the, the subject of conversation was about our president mm-hmm. and attacks coming down on the president, and how you were saying what God showed you about the longevity of his life and his term. And, and so, when is a prophet, or how does a prophet know, an apostle, when what they're receiving is the will of God, you're not changing my mind? Yeah. yeah. And sees that the enemy is sowing to get us on board with his agenda. Very interesting. Um, the first thing we have and our prophets have to produce, and we have prophetic intelligence reports. That's the, and Chief Prophet loves the word, you know, prophetic intel. She absolutely okay. loves it. Because, and she coined it. So she's doing, you know, doing her job. And that is every, our prophets have got to submit what they're getting for several reasons. One of the main reasons is to make sure that it's from God. And the second reason is to make sure that it's God's will. Now answering your question. God had times that he said to Jeremiah, he said, listen, though you and Moses or Samuel and Moses stood before me, I'm not changing this. That's the covenant word of God. And then he talked about Job and he talked about Daniel. And um, I forget the last person, which was not, um, I think Moses, because they are outside covenant. God First of all, you have to know whether God cares about if you know the difference, because sometimes he just doesn't care, you know, because you're not sitting in a seat where it's, it's significant to what he set in motion. So that's one of the reasons, again, I, I, I deal with that gift versus office. And then there are times that the gifter is the announcer, the official is the regulator, mm-hmm. is the executor. And so we have to know that. When God told me about and all that I just said really lends itself to it. When he told me about Donald Trump, he didn't tell me about that, that, that you know, like, oh, wow, this is my God. He loves me. He said, no, he don't know me, and that's okay, because he's tough enough to fight for me when I get ready. He said he doesn't know me like that. And in and, and, and the Bible, most of the people who work for God didn't know him. Yeah. Hmm. It didn't matter that they didn't know him. It mattered that they were an instrument. And so God said, but I'm going to do this. He said, he told me these words about Donald Trump. He said, as long as Donald Trump stays with me, he's going to win everything. He, he said he will not be defeated. That was God's word. Why? Because Donald Trump dared do what someone else didn't do, and that step out on the name of Jesus Christ. Right. See, Jesus is jealous for his name. God is jealous for his son. And so you, you stand up and uh, on the name of Jesus, and you uh, protect his church. He's done two things. He protects his church. So as long as he, all the other politics, God, when I tell you God could care nothing about those politics, 
he just said that's the normal course of man. So he does. He said that about him. He told me. He said when I put him in, he said he's gonna fight for me. He doesn't know me yet. He will before it's all over. But that's mm-hmm. not the that's not the reason for this. And I know a lot of you all want to know. Well, you know, but but he's against black people. So are the other people that was against black people. Your doctor probably against black people. You know what? You still go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you went to schools who are against black people, so give it a break, you know, because there are a lot of people who can control their bias and keep it for, you know, whatever it is in their private realm. There are a lot, you don't know what people do in their private realm, and I don't really care about that. I'll be honest with you, I don't care because I'm not in the ministry for race. See, this is, my ministry is not racially motivated. I'm not in the ministry for the black or the white, the green or the blue, the little green-eyed man from Mars. I don't care about him. What I care about is the man, Christ Jesus. I'm here for the sovereign. I have a high seat, and I stay in my high seat, and I don't come down to the, to the lower seats of arguing over the minors. I'm up there where major things happen. And so God could talk to me majorly because he knows I never got caught up in the minutiae of humanity's uh, uh, naivety and uh, humanity's uh, uh, lack of perception or insight in the long run. So yeah. I don't. So he talks to me like that. Like, you know what? I don't want that. And I'm not going to do that. I have, you know, I, I, I listen to Jesus and I say, my God, you are king. He talks just like that. I don't care about that. I'm going to bring him say some prayers. I'll try to bring. He said, don't bring that. Okay, Jesus. Can he tell you not to bring a prayer to without you feeling like you're going to heaven tomorrow or hell tonight? Okay? Because we feel that way. And so I operate on Jesus as the sovereign in his seat of authority, which is what apostles are supposed to do. I deal with his sovereignty. That's what apostles are about. We are agents and representatives of the sovereign will of God and the sovereign dispositions of God. So God sovereignly, and we all know it because they still can't let the man go, he sovereignly put Donald Trump in the White House. He did that sovereignly. Everybody's shocked. They got mad, went down it, counted 55 times. We got nice shows. the night show people, if he hadn't put Donald, Donald Trump in office, all of those night show hosts would have nothing to talk about. They can't, they, they don't have any talent beyond Donald Trump. They can't do anything, but do, no, they don't, because you, you do what you got, you know, and if that's all you got, that's what you do. You know, we wouldn't, I mean, the Emmys wouldn't be, you know, disgusting if it hadn't been for the fact that half of the winners were fighting about Donald Trump. You understand that God blew the devil's mind, shocked him. And he can't come back. He's still trying to do damage control because he didn't expect Donald and certainly didn't expect somebody that's going to be, what? Weren't he on cruises with us? Now he's what? (laughs) So so I know that this is a Jesus Christ move. And Jesus said, I'm going to do this because he will do it. We've had presidents who said they were Christian. We had Obama who let us know he was Muslim and did put all his little Muslim things in play. And you know what? Y'all yes. forgot him. So you act like Obama did not turn sick. And let's not talk about the little, the lights on the White House, the gay flag on the White House. And we talked about that. And you know what? Y'all are okay with that. And you know why you're okay? Because you're not for Jesus Christ. Because if you were for him, you would have been against them. He said, because you either have, come on, somebody. <laughs> You're either gathering with them or you're scattering abroad. So so you can sit there and talk about all this racial thing, because that's your racial thing is your cover story for not being with Jesus Christ anyhow. 
See, race is just a cover story. I want you to understand that. Bias is a cover story. Because when you get into places where the decisions are made, it's not about race. Ain't nobody interested about race. We're interested in how much power you can wield, how much power you can gain, how much money you can garner, how many souls you can bring to the God that you are representing. And I'm telling you, I feel so good about being a Christian woman. I'm so good about this because I'm good to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I ask God a question. I asked God a question one day. And you know what I asked him? I said, God, who is your first point of contact for making your word happen in this realm in the flesh? Who is your first point of human contact? I got that question, I don't know, maybe five or so years ago. Never said a word. Asked him three times. Never said a word. I saw the angels getting their their, um, assignments from him. And I said, well, who is your first point of human contact? And they didn't answer me, baby. And then all of a sudden, I'm at the throne. Oh. 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 Okay, oh, oh, well, give him a board, Lord. I'm ready. Come <laughs> I want you to understand this man is not a figment of anybody's imagination. Matter of fact, most people imagine him not existing. But I thank him that he's touching a people and he's touching leaders, politicians, oh. actors, celebrities, scientists, engineers, educators, botanists. He's touching people, and he wants them to know he is. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So so now that I know I sit in high places with the Lord, because I, I, I take it seriously. You know, God will prophesy to you all day long, and nothing will happen until you let him know you got the prophecy and you're taking it seriously. So I, I, I do. So now when they tell me something's going to happen, I'm like, are you kidding me? Not on my watch. See, I want you all to learn that. Not on my watch. See, a lot of things got through on the other watch, but not on Ooh, my watch. My, my. I'm the apocalyptic watcher, and I'm telling you, it's not happening on my watch. So and I was just giving him an example of some prophet came to Tulsa and prophesied we were going to have this earthquake. And so I didn't know about it because I didn't go. I don't follow that stuff. But it, it, came, it got back to me. And so I was telling the, the person, I said, I just want you to understand, I did not say, uh-huh. oh, God, let me go buy some food and build a shelter. I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> this is my jurisdiction, and you will not tear up my land. I will not allow you to tear up my land. I push back on you with everything I got. And I mean, I was in the bed, you know, and the beds were moving and carrying on, and we went up, and Oklahoma being what it is, because, you know, it's a fighting state. Oklahoma, honey, they went in there and found out it's fracking. We stopped fracking, and we don't quake. As long as I'm here, I tell them, how often do I say, you will not tear up my land. This is my seat. Now, I'm telling you, and 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 all Metro tells us, no, no. And I met them. I have storms. And I have fought them and faced off with them. You will not. They will say, it's coming down so-and-so street. They get right in my area. That thing goes, boom, jump right over the city. It It jumps over. Mm-mm. I'm not letting. So, we have no idea what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> he got me one time. I was gone. He sneaked in in the old dark hundred, and I, you're not doing that. And no, I'm telling you, I don't live as if prophecy from anybody has to happen. Right. I live at the will of God. If a prophecy is the will of God, then God will let me know. Push back on it. He's trying to do so and so. Or he will tell me this is going to happen. He has done that. Me, remember us in the Florida. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Baby, we were in the Florida, what was that, Hurricane, Hurricane G? 
Jean. Jean, we were in a couple. But one Matthew. of Matthew, yeah, we were in them. And so we were in, but Jean, when we were in the hotel room, and I'm sitting here because I fight storms. I mean, I do. And I'm good the at people it. People are storm chasers? Yeah. Other people are storm fighters. And so I was like, you ain't doing that, no. And so I'm getting ready to battle. I mean, I'm getting geared up because I got a, I got a storm prayer that's real, baby. Transformers <laughs> blowing all over. Angel come in the door, sits on the foot of my bed, and he looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking he come to help me fight. He's not. He said, so I get ready to get geared up. I, but he said the Lord sent this. Ooh. I said, why? He said, the Lord sent this, and I'm here to see to it that you remain okay. Because she had to leave her room because the thing was staying up. So we sitting in my room, and I mean transformers are dying, things are going crazy. And I'm sitting there, and the angel looking at me, and I'm looking at him. <laughs> and we and I roll, I sleep a little bit, wake up, and he's still there at the foot of the bed. I went to and sleep. She did. She slept well, peaceful. <laughs> our room was so peaceful, baby. I, the angel's here. I'm I out. said, I said, <laughs> that's how I did. I said, awake. and he didn't even have to send a big one, just a little guy. He wasn't even having to be... Barely or nothing. And he sat on the end of my bed, but he rebuked me, and he said, the Lord sent this. I said, oh, and told me, you're going to be fine. You're going to get out, and you're going to be fine. But everything else must go on. Now, he's done that to me several times. I'm in places, and he'll send an angel, and the angel will sit there and say, I'm here to make sure nothing happened to you. I'm, I'm thinking, thank God I belong to the kingdom. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hey, be that kingdom. Right. Ooh, that kingdom ownership is good. Yes. We're with her. Okay. <laughs> yes, she does. I'm telling you, she does. She says that. But so what am I saying? I know it took 30 years. I don't want you to go out there tomorrow and start yelling at God because he's going to slap you. So don't do that. Don't go out there tomorrow thinking that, oh, my God, tomorrow I'm going to do what Dr. Price did. If you go and say, I'm coming to get what Dr. Price got, somebody know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's going to rebuke you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you don't get to this level of trust and, and protection simply because you pray, because you sow, because you dance. God requires you to whitewash and to sanitize your entire experience, your entire environment, your body, and everything. All of that stuff that you are, because you're like, well, he moved with me. Now, I'm beyond eyes, ears, nose, and toes. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm here. Man already told me who was going to be president. I was saying that. I was telling them who was going to be president for a long time. And I was listening to these prophets and thinking, yeah, yeah, y'all haven't gotten your new brought upstairs yet. Y'all, y'all still out there in the outer court giving them curbside prophecies. And I was like, mm-mm. Because let me tell you something. I don't play with God. I mean, I don't play with him. Even when I don't want to accept it and he goes on, he said, but I told you, you just didn't want to listen. You're right, Jesus. I didn't want to listen. Uh, I let him be God. I let him be sovereign. I encourage him to be sovereign in my life. I encourage him to be God. I encourage him to be the Almighty. I want him to show up. I said, strut your stuff, Jesus Christ. Go on and be the Almighty. We, we do it. You know, the other part of that song that we just sang is like, do it, Lord, do it, Lord, do it again. Do it, Lord, Lord, do it, Lord, do it again. I'm going to tell you something. I want him to be God Almighty. I don't need him to change. See, you know, homosexuals need him to be gay. I don't. You understand that? See, y'all need a gay Jesus. But see, there is no gay Jesus. Now, I want you to know, black folk need him to be black. I don't need that. White folk need him to be white. I don't need that. Asians need him to be Asians. I don't need that. Criminals need him to be a criminal. I don't need that. I'm telling you, I need him to be who he is. All that he is. And he loves me because I want him to be him. 
just like you would love anybody who that would let you be you. Yeah. How often do you are you with somebody? Relationships die because they kept trying to change you. Well, people's relationship with Christ falter because they're trying to change him. I don't. I want you to be the Almighty. You want to slap a devil, slap on. You want to <laughs> come on, wing an angel, wing him up. I don't really care. I just want you to remember, I'm yours. I'm his woman, and I want him to win. I need him to win. I need God to win so much. I got to figure out what is the loss. See, some of you all, you don't empathize with what this man is suffering. You don't care that he's bleeding Christians. All you know is that everybody got rights. You don't care that those tattoos came from other gods. All you know is everybody got liberty. You don't care that all of those, that this attire and whatnot is, a, what do you call it, um, fertility deities. You don't care about that. All you know is that people are free to be themselves and look their right. It's so important that humanity holds all the cards. You could care less about what God is dealing with. Mm-hmm. And see, me, it's the reverse. Because I realize this here. People will die. Flesh will fail you. Folks going to get old. They're going to have accidents. They're going to have a lot of things. But my God, he's going nowhere. Ooh. He stands sure. And the Bible said that the seal of the Lord, I love that, the seal of the Lord is sure that God knows those that are his. Yeah. And let everyone who names the name of God Depart from iniquity. Well, depart. You all are getting apartments in iniquity. You know, I got a condo. How many rooms you got? You got to, oh yeah. How many people? I got. Listen, I'm sharing some of mine with a few demons. Is that okay? Oh. See, you all don't understand what this man is doing and what his blood did and what the mm. cross did. Yeah. And because when you get that, you know, somebody's like the cross was so and so. I said that's not the cross. The cross was to kill sin. The cross is a killer. Oh. It's a slaughterer. The reason for the cross is to kill. It's an execution instrument, and it's to execute criminals. The cross is to deal with criminality. The throne is to deal with glory. And I'm at the throne, loving on my honey. Yes, I do. And you know what? I'm going to sound just like this. You know what I like? I like being who I am. I'm very different, and I like that because he's a honey man. Are you kidding? I'm going to lift up Jesus. I'm going to talk about him all day long because I am good at it, and he is good at being God. Jesus is good. At being God. A lot of times, well, I don't just don't know why he didn't get involved. I don't know why you didn't give him a reason to. How about that? Because God needs some incentives, too. You all think that it's uh, He needs incentives, too. How about that? <laughs> yes, he does. Praise is an incentive. Righteousness is an incentive. Sacrifices are an incentive. See, so those are incentives for God to get involved because the normal course of life is the curse on Adam, and God feels that was right. Wow. Oh. Wow. So it's time to sow a seed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Inside the path of plate, y'all. Yes. So we're going to do that right now. Oh, Dr. Bryson's birthday today, so we want you to sow a birthday seed, a seed of love, a seed of blessing and abundance into her life, but also sow an offering on this word because you know that this word was fired today. You know that it was powerful. Um, so I want to give you guys a moment to sow. Rachel's going to put it on the screen for you right now. Cash app, Dr. Paul Price. PayPal.me slash Dr. Paul Price for text to give 6081378. And plus, all avenues of sewing are all over Facebook today, so you can check Dr. Price's page, our near page, the Congregation of the Mighty page, PPM Global Price University. You can sew anywhere that Dr. Price's name is. If you're a part of Dr. Paul Price and the Congregation of the Mighty group, you can sew there. So there's lots of places for you to sew. You can sew online at drpaulaprice.com. Get out your phone, do your text right now, text to give 91. 
918-608-1378. Or if you're a PayPal user, zip over a PayPal gift. Um, again, we really want to bless Dr. Price on her birthday, but we want to sow into this word. This word yeah. is transformative. This word is a breakthrough type of word, so you don't want to miss out on sowing into this word right now. All the ways to give are going to be on your screen. Woo. And if they're sending anything. Send it to Price University, especially if it's living. And we talked about this last week. Flowers, these beautiful flowers. If you're sending fruit, uh, edible arrangement, cherries, berries, cherries, berries. No, cherries, 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 something cherries. else. Cherries, berries. I like edible arrangements. <laughs> so, I like them. Yes. Uh, send it to Price University where Dr. Price will get it most readily as well. So we want to make sure that you know that. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we had a potent day today. And I'm glad. Yeah. I, I, I can't even tell you how much I want to do this for Jesus Christ. I know everybody says it, but I want you to understand that I'm at retirement age. And I went to retire. I what? really did. Look, what? The Holy Ghost was like, Jesus like, you are not retiring. All my friends are retiring, God. I'm, I'm, you are not retiring. <laughs> my friends went out to play. Why can't I go to play? My friends are retiring. Why can't I Man, I went to Social Security and came back with a new commission. <laughs> I said, did the man not? That's quite true. Were you not there in 1952 when I was born? <laughs> Help me, Lord. But, you know, I want to give him what he wants. I am so disturbed, as you can hear in my passion and in my fire, about what we have allowed to happen to our God, yeah. about the things that, that you all that, that have been voted in and whatnot after he had done all that he's done. So if you ask me what my life is, I could sit home. I got a cute little something. I sit in my little fireplace there and drink my tea and my coffee, read my book, my Bible, have a talk with Jesus. I could do that, but that's not going to win him what he needs. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to him, you guys give me new vim and vigor. I need energy. And so the Lord said, done, because, you know, Jesus is like, done. And so, and what I want, I'm going to leave you with this thought. What I want is that more than your personal Savior, Jesus becomes your personable Savior. Mm. And that is very important. He's very personable to me. We talk nonstop. We visit. We commune. He shares his heart, shares his soul. And I've taught my people how to do this and how to love him. So I want to leave you with the thought that you go a step into your, your union with Christ, not to stand on the periphery. Step in just a little bit more and love on him a little bit because he really is a wonderful Savior. Yeah. Join us Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty when we go Facebook Live for 8 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock Sunday service. If you're in the Tulsa area, go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, and Bixby, Bixby. Hallelujah. Go to uh, uh, <laughs> my pair. Okay. But in Bixby, Oklahoma, join us Sunday for service. Until then, I bless you. All of you all who have been taking care of me all these years, I bless you all over again. The new ones who have been starting to take care, I say that because it does take care of what God has given me to do. I love you. Thank you in advance for your birthday gifts. Hallelujah. And don't go anywhere because we're going to sing happy birthday to our apostle today. We want you guys to be a part of it. So here we go. Talk to Ashley and I. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dr. Price. Happy birthday to you. 